If you're vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be packed with purposeful character and characters with purpose, and here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to how do we create meaningful, rich NPCs that mean something to the players and their character? And what method lets us put in an amount of effort that's equal to the player investment? And how do we make the best possible sidekick NPC that's going to bring out all the roleplay and all the story at once? Welcome to the Hook and Chance Podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother Jordan. Thanks for tuning in. We're slowly writing a dungeon crawl-like adventure. The classic. We didn't want to get weird with it right out of the gate. And the common experience of a dungeon crawl is that a party of adventurers goes from room to room like five Terminators in the police station scene, completely annihilating our appropriately leveled baddies from the monster manual. Their action economy has defeated the monster before the door was ever opened. There is zero tension. So you just up the difficulty until players start going down. You do this till the Terminator is scared to kick in the door, at which point it becomes tedious. Everyone's always afraid of what's around the next corner. And you went from trying to get tension to just encouraging (laughs) a constant state of fear. Right. And then that all goes according to plans, sort of, until you're back in the city and a fight breaks out in a busy city street. And now, for some reason, there's tension. Squishy townsfolk are everywhere. Or the party's horses are in the middle of the fight and they could potentially get hurt. All the things that they've become attached to on the surface are at stake. They're at risk. There's some actual tension. So we've experimented with this a lot in the past around what creates that tension and it is it's that risk of something that you care about down in a dungeon you're just risking life and limb on the surface you're risking a lot more best thing by far that we've ever found that players and their characters actually become attached to is a good npc except that a lot of npcs tend to stay at the tavern or at the shop or at the you know, wherever they're met. But what if you just had the NPC accompany them on their travel? Would you be able to take that tension and transport it back down into that dungeon? (laughs) You also have the opportunity to draw the role play. Like, any time that everyone's sitting there with nothing to say, you interject with that NPC. You can draw the character's beliefs, their personalities. You can engage them as much or as little as you want. They also might offer the opportunity to save the players when everyone else goes down you've got an npc there to come in the clutch they can give all of the information and exposition and clues that you need to give the party when they're stuck they can turn into a best friend that helps them get through the the low moments and the hard moments yeah somebody squishy that they would be absolutely heartbroken if something absolutely terrible were to befall them. And all of this sounds great in theory, but the challenging part is actually doing it. Right. So whenever we build an NPC, we spend hours crafting the perfect character 
and the party couldn't give less of a shit about them. Either they get completely ignored, or they get booted into a well, or they get <laughs> sacrificed to the dragon. The party rogue stabs them within the first 10 minutes because they seemed shifty, <laughs> air quotes. Somebody uses them as a shield, even though they've got a shield, and you say, can you use your actual shield? <laughs> Stop Stop using our friend as a human shield. <laughs> but then instead of actually caring about the character you spent hours working on, they get themselves attached to Yalbuck, the randomly generated name you found when the person that you wanted to sell them weapons ended up selling them asparagus that somebody demanded for some reason. And now <laughs> the asparagus man is the most important NPC of the entire uh. game. And you, yeah, you're just like, I've got all these grand plans, and now all of a sudden I'm stuck with Yalbuck. <laughs> Better start working on Yalbuck. And then, of course, they say, Yalbuck, we really, really like you. You seem like a cool dude. And you go, yeah, that's about as deep and rich as a piece of paper. <laughs> um, but I guess Yalbuck is now a part of the party, so they're going to go with them on their grand adventures. So we actually have a solution to working in the characters that you spend hours on, as well as fleshing out Yalbuk when you need to. We got both problems solved. And the core of this process is really building in stages as needed, so you can feel out the party interest on a particular NPC before you invest all that time in fleshing them out. But before we do that, let's hop into the Sanctum of Scholars and get some inspiration for a future NPC. Step into the Sanctum of Scholars, where records of scientific discoveries and natural wonders awaken worlds of possibilities. So what are we building, Jordan? Well, in fleshing out the adventure that we're working on, we're going to build a child companion that's going to travel with the party. We're pulling on the inspirations that came from our Session Zero episode, to create an NPC that has a few kind of boxes that we want to check off. We want them to be fragile with the need to be protected, hopefully by the party. We want them to be going through a coming of age story and needing guidance from the party to determine their path. We want them to have a magical element to their coming of age story. You know, kind of like Eleven from Stranger Things. They're like, holy shit, I got powers that I also need to deal with as well as my emotional journey. Right. We want them to be able to draw out the player character's personalities throughout the adventure because that's one of the hardest things to do in a dungeon crawl. The most personality you get out of a character sometimes is how they swing their sword. Right. That one is the one that sticks out the most to me because we built this adventure to perfectly reflect our characters that were in that session zero. And like you mentioned... In that session zero, we also identified that we wanted a character that was a mix of 11 and short round from Indiana Jones as like that plucky kind of sidekick, kind of squishy target that is going to go along on those adventures. But specifically, these characters, they believe in some pretty weird stuff very, very strongly, and they're kind of just like phobic of responsibility. Thus, we're going to put them as responsible for a young child and their choices and development, which is absolutely diabolical. Yeah, and that influence is going to translate into major events for the setting. Right. So we need to gather some inspiration. And so our first one is 
adolescent psychology. Something that I've never known about nor needed to know about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you did some research on this topic. So what I learned is that, you know, it's some pretty base level stuff, to be honest, for people that know anything about psychology. Psychology 101. (laughs) So let us educate you on the inner workings of the human mind. Put away your judgy glasses for a second. This is what we found on Wikipedia. So you got Eric Erickson, a German-American developmental psychologist who came up with his theory of psychosocial development, which has eight stages that we go through as humans, each stage with their own crisis right up until we're dead. Wow. (laughs) So if you thought you were getting away from crises as you age, you're not, Travis. That sounds like such a grim (laughs) encapsulation of life on Earth. Oof. Yeah, he uh, probably didn't make a lot of people feel great. Just brought them a bit of realism. Seriously, I'm so sorry, sweet listener, that we're doing this to you. But enjoy your existential dread for the rest of the day. (laughs) Stage five is the stage that we want to focus on with this character because it's what happens to us between the ages of 12 to about 18. And its major crisis is identity versus confusion. Kind of makes sense. We go through an identity crisis in our teenage years. We're trying to figure out who we are. We figure out what groups we belong to and what path we might follow, at least the path we're going to start walking. In the modern age in our society, I think you and I are still about there, Travis. Oh, cool. (laughs) We never really (laughs) figured ourselves out, I don't think. I mean, please don't lump me in with you. I have a very solidly defined, carefully calculated persona. All right. I'm still figuring myself out then. (laughs) So later on, James Marcia expanded upon these ideas, giving us four steps within this stage of development. And I think these four steps are kind of important because it's basically what this character could go through. The first is identity diffusion, where you have no idea who you are. The second is identity foreclosure, where you feel committed to an identity, usually as a result of outside influence. So this kid that we're developing is going to start off as a devoted subject of this temple. Right. Yeah, they're definitely very, very rooted there. It's all they've ever known, really. Yeah. Third step is identity moratorium where you start to explore options for your identity. And this is going to happen with the party. This kid is all of a sudden going to have all these differing opinions and lifestyle choices and and paths that they could potentially follow, represented by the characters. Then you've got identity achievement, where you settle on one, but, you know, life is always a bit of an ongoing journey in that identity. So at the end of this adventure, theoretically, this kid's going to make their decision based on all the influence of the party, and that's going to change the world. That's fascinating. And, you know, I could probably pinpoint a couple of those stages in my own self-development. Before we get into that, We're let's not move dive on. dive deep into yeah. your psychology, Travis. <laughs> Stay focused. Onward. I feel like with this kid, they're definitely staring down the barrel of just an entire life spent inside this temple. That's got to really do a number on you. Yeah. That's not to say that in the end they might decide to continue down that path, but like only after a little bit of self-exploration. Their trajectory, like we've kind of discussed, is to one day take over the temple. Right. Yeah. The temple is made up of, so far in our story, four characters, and the other ones are all a lot older. 
So this is the only future for this temple is this one child. Yeah, like I think at this point, we're kind of assuming that this kid was probably like an orphan, maybe that was just left on the steps of the temple and, you know, had really no other options. And I think it'd be kind of neat to work in the fantasy element. And we talked about having this kid have some powerful magic that that be attached to their emotional journey in some way, shape or form. Like it's kind of neat if if the kid gets stressed in this dungeon crawl that some wild powers start popping off. I like that element of chaos, especially as a GM. You kind of want the ability to invite chaos yeah every once in a while when things when you need to shake things up you want to have that ability and this kid is a great conduit to doing that and it just creates such a cool dynamic because the party is simultaneously trying to protect and uh, dodge (laughs) this child so i'm really digging that because you know however we want to explain this kid's magic powers through the story we need this kid to have that level of chaos that they can introduce And the party is going to serve as both emotional mentors a little bit and kind of the Professor X, potentially. Right. To like young mutants trying to control their their newfound powers. Go blast that (laughs) with your powers. (laughs) So your second source of inspiration is tips to improve likability. Well, yeah, because we want the party to actually care about this NPC as people, as players. So that they don't human shield a child. (laughs) Please, for the love of God, it's a child. Yeah, okay. So Robin Dreek, who had a career as a behavioral specialist in the FBI, gives some tips in his book, It's Not All About Me, for building quick rapport. Probably a good thing to do, uh, introducing an NPC. I don't know if you've just come up with this as a way to give me subtle not so subtle hints at how to be more likable and less surly but let's let's hear you out we're trying to make a podcast travis and you need to be likable (laughs) ouch first step is ask for help if the first interaction with the party is to help this kid in some way i think we can get them to care a bit who could turn down a pleading child saying please help me i dropped my candle in the reservoir weirdly specific but go on what's your next tip suspend your ego robin dreek says that rather than the norm of one person tells a story then you wait to tell yours you know like when you're talking to someone and you're just waiting for your chance to to start talking i really can't i cannot (laughs) handle those kinds of conversations the tip here is to instead try to learn more about their story and they're gonna like you Instead of sit there bored while you tell your story. See, I love this because on the flip side, all we have to do is make this kid really inquisitive. Yeah. And we can have that kid ask our players all kinds of questions. It's the natural curiosity of a kid to do that, which kind of also forces our players to become more confident in their characters that they've created. When the kid asks them a question, they're going to have to come up with an answer. Yeah, exactly. And it also really fits in with the fact that this kid has been sheltered their entire lives. So you've got these cool strangers. Right. (laughs) I am so curious about what their whole deal is. I mean, we've established that this is a surf town with a whole bunch of people that the people in the temple have decided are moochers. Yeah. And the kid 
probably honestly has been like fed a bunch of right. negative stuff about the party town. <laughs> but here comes some adventurers not from the party town. Yeah. They're going to be interesting folks. Now, I don't want you to get confused when we say inquisitive child because kids from about four to six do that thing where they apparently ask between 75 and 300 questions a day. God. You is, know, that, the, is that true? Yeah. That's, that's a true studied. fact. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> In my research. Like the, the why game. Uh, yeah, we're not going to do that because no. that's just going to piss our players exactly. off. Exactly. Do not cross that line into annoying brat child. Yeah, we're thinking like 9 to 14 years old where you're just legitimately curious yeah. about like why uh, uh, this. Not... Not just why, but why <laughs> explain this to me. I'm curious about yeah, it. I'm learning about the world. Got it. Yeah. Next is give gifts. This causes the psychological desire to reciprocate in some way. So maybe the kid has an artistic hobby that they usually hide away because it's not part of their training. It's such a great way to endear this kid to the party. Also, I do think that these were subtly worked in as a commentary because I hate giving gifts because of that reciprocation <laughs> and i hate getting them too don't give me gifts seriously we're not joking around here travis is truly a grinch <laughs> and finally be genuine which is the most basic piece of human advice but i mean i imagine this kid is being fairly outgoing just so that we don't have to role play them coming out of their shell on top of all the other stuff that we're going to try and keep in mind when we're dming Right. They're, they're being very open. They're not really hiding anything about themselves. You know, just because this is the kind of character that I would rather play, I would rather play a little bit more of a charismatic character. Yeah. So I think this kid is kind of like wise beyond their years. You know, they've grown up in a very tight knit circle. They know how to behave. They know how to be genuine. They don't know any other way. So this way I can actually role play a normal character that is just inquisitive and learning about the world yeah. that exists outside their temple. This kid hasn't been exposed to deception and lies and trauma. Right. Like They've just been raised in a disciplined environment. Cool. I don't know. I, I feel like we've got a fairly decent handle on this kid. The thing is, we need to detail them out. We need specifics to build this character, and we'll do that in Oryx Landing by taking you through some of the steps that we use to build NPCs and stages. Drift down to Oryx Landing, a wharf so trodden by travelers that anyone from anywhere can likely be found on its docks. Okay, so the system that we've used this is a document that we've recently put together. It's currently in a beta phase, and we just posted it on our Discord just a little while ago. We're going to get some feedback from it, and then we'll eventually massage it into the finished product that you're used to seeing on our resources page. But we'll also throw it up there anyways in its current beta phase. And the core of this system and why we prefer to do things this way the NPC development process is based on how many times the players have interacted with a specific NPC. So each time they show interest or when they become useful to you again, you flesh them out a little bit more. Because typically, you know, players will bump into a market seller 
and you'll have given them a name and the very, very basics. And then they'll say, hey, you know what? We should go back and get something else, some other item of adventuring gear from that character. And you continually revisit this character until they kind of endear themselves to the party. And this is the core of that, is how do we build it in such a way that we don't invest a whole bunch of time when we don't have to, when we're unsure of whether or not this character is going to be a mainstay. However, we are sure that this character that we're building is going to be a mainstay. So we're going to build through every single one of the steps. And when we go into building an NPC, the one thing that we're trying to keep top of mind is the actual goals. Why are we introducing this NPC? And just as a quick recap, we want to explore the player characters, draw out how they feel about the world and their personalities and the events that are taking place. We want to add stakes to the story, put that innocent child in danger. Players are probably going to care a little bit more about the conflicts you throw at them. And we want to be able to world build as we go. The child is extremely knowledgeable about all of the events of this setting and its history, and they can recite pretty much all of it. It's such a great way to deliver exposition when it's really hard to do that, especially in a dungeon crawl. Yeah. And then, like you said, you've got this NPC. They're hopefully not going to use it as a human shield. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> they'll actually have to care about something. So let's go through each one of these stages. So let's start with level one. This is all of the initial information that you need to figure out when you're building a new NPC. It typically doesn't take any longer than about five minutes. So the first thing we need is a name. We don't have one. Well, well this is off to a great start. <laughs> Maybe we can get some help with this one. As you're listening to the episode, if you have an idea for a name for this character, you know, drop a comment, hop on our Discord, whatever you need to do. Um, let us know what you think this character's name should be. Next is occupation. We've discussed this is an easy one at length. Uh, they're a monk. They help maintain the temple. Then we get into traits, which at this stage, at level one of NPC creation, we really only need one trait. If this is the first and potentially only time they're going to meet this NPC. We typically like to layer on new traits because every time the player characters encounter this NPC, they can see a different aspect of their personality come out. You know, the next time they're a little bit frazzled or the next time they seem uh, really sleepy or something like that. Like you just get to continually layer those on. But since... We're going straight through to the end. What kind of traits do you think this kid has? Well, really, just building on everything we've said so far, this kid's got to be confident, curious, impressionable. Oh, super impressionable. And a little bit naive. And just for that chaotic element, we should throw in impulsive. Right. Yes, because they don't have that kind of experience in dungeons that they would need. They're, they're going to act on reaction and impulse. And I'm thinking that they probably don't really have that danger sense built right. in because they've lived in a temple with no threats and magical healing nearby. <laughs> right. So like... This is paradise beyond <laughs> paradise. Yeah. That really works. If you've seen any of our character creation stuff in the past, you know, you threw in those two kind of semi-negative traits 
but you can strike a nice balance depending on whether or not you're building a positive, good, noble character with more positive traits, or you can build a real scumbag by making a <laughs> lot of negative traits. Now, the next one is the activity. This is a wonderful reminder to consider how to introduce NPCs. You know, typically you walk in and the NPC is just a blank stare waiting to serve <laughs> the characters. And that's weird. If you want your characters to feel really grounded and living a life out in the world, then give them something that they're in the middle of doing when your player characters meet them. And this is really going to be dependent on your session and where you're at in the story and all of that stuff. But like, if the party was to meet this character at the temple, they'd be mid-chore. Right. Absolutely. They'd be repairing something. I like to imagine that they'd be doing something that's kind of beyond their years as far as like construction. They're like fixing a piece of the temple that is like, wow, that's a, that kid's up on some scaffolding and they're doing some masonry like that. That's pretty impressive. Right. I mean, this is a fantasy land, kind of like the southern states. There's no child labor laws. So. <laughs> There goes our non-political streak for the last 150 episodes. Oh, come on. It's topical. <laughs> but obviously, really, it's just a matter of, of knowing what your NPC might be up to. They're scrubbing some, you know, marble slabs somewhere. And they're probably having a good time doing it. <laughs> like, they're probably just, like, humming along. Because they really, this doesn't phase them. 16 hours a day... You know, for four people to upkeep an entire temple, just the four of them. Yeah. Like, they are working day and night. And I'm sure some of the older monks are a little kind of begrudgingly doing so for these ingrates that live near them. Yeah. And this kid is just like humming along. Well, the kid doesn't have that context. And now that we're talking about that, I imagine that this kid probably turns every chore into a game. They're playing make-believe while they're doing it. And again, I love that because it reflects some of our own player characters' behaviors. They've established these characters as being really irresponsible. They're kind of shitbags, all of them. In some way, shape, or form, they're kind of shitbags. And it's so great to juxtapose that with this purity, this just innocent, happy, belief-filled kid. I love that. Feels like it's coming together. So next we need appearance. Well, this one kind of just like does itself, but there are some details. Like we've got kid in grayish robes. We've established that already. Yeah. What else can we add on top of that? Just using a few of the prompts from our NPC creator, a facial characteristic could be a gap between the kid's teeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The two fronts have already come out. You know, they have those... <laughs> oversized, you know, two front beaver teeth that <laughs> little kids always have. As far as something to represent that magical ability, maybe their hands exude a green glow based on their emotional state and the intensity of that. So actually at the start, since they're not really experiencing any huge emotions, they're probably not exhibiting that much magic. Could be something really fun to like throw to the arcane you know, magic user within the party, somebody that really understands how magic works, that maybe they can sense a faint magical aura. Yeah. Any other details we should throw in there? I know that one of them is like, we want to give NPCs trinkets. 
you know, something that they have, something that tells you a little bit about who they are. You know, we generated just a quick and dirty version of this character in Midjourney, and for some reason it threw a candle in there, and I glommed onto that. Like, it was a kid holding a tiny little candle, this, like, you know, adorable monk-like kid, and I thought that really fit. This kid has zero friends. They're not really allowed to interact too much with the townsfolk, and so... It's kind of heartbreaking and also kind of adorable if their best friend is Candle. <laughs> to maintain any form of a healthy psychological equilibrium, this kid's going to need <laughs> a strong imagination. Right. <laughs> Having that trinket and something that the kid cares about, like the party now cares about the kid's well-being. The kid now cares about the candle's well-being. <laughs> that means your party is not protecting candle. The candle is seriously <laughs> important to the story now. Yeah. So that's everything you need to get started with any NPC. In fact, I'd say more than enough. Once they start interacting with the NPC again, though, we go, oh, all right, we got to add some more. And this level is all about starting to really endear the character to the party. And something that Travis and I think is really powerful when it comes to just like getting into a new NPC is to give them a archetype or a character trope that's just going to trigger a whole bunch of thoughts for you. And the tool we made has a whole list for you to, to get inspired by, but this character definitely is going to nicely sit in the innocent trope. I mean, obviously, but there's so many different tropes that you can choose from from like a mentor kind of person or a wise sage or, you know, there's a whole list of different tropes that will really start to get your mind jogging on what do I embody within this character. The next one is really, really powerful, and that is a contradiction within the character itself. And I think it ties really well with trope, because if you're just using the trope, you might just create, you know, something that isn't an original character. But if you create that contradiction right after, it creates something that is recognizable, but all of a sudden has immediate depth. This actually has really cool, subtle psychological implications. Just running the straight up trope is almost going to make your character forgettable. It's really great because it gives you a touchstone that you can, like you said, Jord, immediately recognize and roleplay. But just the trope alone, it's very easy for them to just blend and fade into the background because they were such a familiar trope. As soon as you add a contradiction to that trope, like for instance, the guard that just wants to be an adventurer, now all of a sudden you are subtly signaling to your players that this character is special. As soon as you introduce a very timid, peaceful giant, now that tells you that that giant is somehow special. So for this character, we've already kind of talked about it, but the contradiction is there. They've got a lot of discipline and wisdom for a child. They're both really wise and really uneducated about the world at large. I mean, that's a fantastic contradiction. Yeah. It's so much fun to play with. So a few more details that are going to really bring your NPC to life are things like a roleplay quirk, something that 
is almost a, a random little element that doesn't necessarily, but can go against everything you've kind of planned up to this point. I mean, carrying around their friend Candle, I think, definitely falls under the quirky <laughs> side of things. Certainly. I think another good childhood quirk to throw in there is that they, when they meet the players, they immediately tell them what animal comes to mind. They have a picture book. Yeah. Uh, it's the only <laughs> other thing they own other than Candle. Which is a picture book of animals. You're a whale. Walk away. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so then level three is all about how to work them into your story. You know, we start with something like a function. What function do they have in the story itself? Are they going to be an ally? Or are they going to be a nemesis? Are they meant to be a prophet of doom? What is the point of including them in your story in the first place? And in this case, I think it's fairly clear. Like, we want them to be uh, a little bit of an Achilles heel for the party. And an ally. Right. They're going to be helpful. They're going to be hindrance. <laughs> Ooh, they're going to morph from an Achilles heel into an ally into their own right as soon as they embody all of those magical abilities. Totally. Once they figure out how to be a proper mutant. <laughs> This is uh, Professor X Mutants again? Yeah. Yeah, got it. And then we need to figure out their backstory. And before you get a little jittery about this, backstory really does not have to be all that in-depth for an NPC. It can be really simple. This was my life before, then this happened, and now this is what my life is today. We boil it down to literally six sentences. For our NPC backgrounds. Right. And only write more if we're inspired to, but like it's not necessary. And then, of course, every NPC has a problem that they need the help of the party to solve. This is how we draw the party into that NPC and take them from being a simple merchant to somebody that can actually give them something to do. A pretty cool way to meet this kid and the problem that they could have is if Everybody else in the temple, and by everybody else, we mean like the three other people are gone. They're missing, and things are starting to fall apart. Oof. The, the kid needs help now. Wow. But they're that... like, they're not that upset about it. They're like, hey, strangers, can you help me? <laughs> can you help me? Can you come help me? My oh, parents. Oh my sure. God, it's the lost kid at the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, really. I need help <laughs> finding my parents. I really like the idea of. This kid inviting you to help them as if it's no big deal, as if it's like, right. Hey, can you help me? I like, <laughs> I just dropped something. And oh, then, sure. Oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> Who, where is any adult in your life? Yeah. My life is in shambles. <laughs> can you solve this? <laughs> oh, rough. Well, then level four of our NPC creation is about giving them a secret. So something new to find out about the character and then a gift that they could potentially give the players as a reward, as a really personal reward for the player characters helping them solve their dilemma. And a character arc, because this NPC is clearly an important part of your world by this point, and they might have places that they could go as characters. Right. There is so much opportunity in giving short character arcs to your NPCs, but again, we only do this when we certainly know that this character is important. This kid's going to have a lot of different directions that they could end up going depending on 
how the party interacts with them. Their character arc is one of learning new things about the world and using that to direct their life. I mean, their secret that they could be kind of keeping from the players is that magical ability that they don't really know how to control it. They're a little bit of a loose cannon. Yeah. Maybe they have webbed toes. <laughs> oh, you're putting a lot of yourself into your characters, huh? Just a random idea. Yeah. They're, Just out of the blue. I'm starting to see the pattern here. Professor X, mutant, your web toes. <laughs> I've got a dream, okay? I've, I see the thread. But with everything that we've come up with so far about this NPC, a lot of ideas come to mind as to how we can use them in the sessions to accomplish some of the goals we talked about. Like you could create mini dilemmas and decision points all throughout the way that influence their character arc, that give them a direction that they might start moving in. This kid is going to ask lots of questions of the dubious characters that our players have come up with and going to ask them about their morals. And those kind of questions are going to help them form a, an idea as to whether or not the monk life is right for them and all kinds of different things that we can watch play out in real time and then come to fruition by the end of this story. And what I really like as far as that morality goes is they're going to watch the player characters solve problems. And they're going to then remember that. They're going to add that method to their toolkit. Right. So like, it's very much a, you're leading by example here. Oh. So the things that you do, not just the things you say, are going to influence this kid. This is going to be so much fun to run. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining the classic rogue trying to pickpocket their ally, their buddy. Oh, my goodness. What you doing? <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, this kid is right there watching everything you're doing. Yeah. But as far as moral dilemmas go, you could do things like this kid has to perform a ritual that is somewhat time consuming right in the middle of this dungeon where you've got some kind of ticking clock that's putting time pressure on them. And you can make it clear that this ritual is just for the sake of maintaining their discipline, that it doesn't have any magical effects or practical outcomes. But it really is just a question to the party of are you going to support this kid's discipline or are you going to say, be chaotic. Right. You can always alter the traits of this kid depending on your party too if you end up using a character like this. Because, you know, if your players, not just their characters, but if your players are playing bold, rash decision makers, making that kid indecisive and a little bit fearful might be a better approach. But if your players are calculating strategists, keeping that kid as a kind of an agent of chaos and naive to the dangers of the world creates a contrast that's always playing with the party. Right. And that's really where all of those traits fall into a category of the utmost importance when we're creating NPCs, because those traits are really the way that you create that contrast and build a character that is specifically designed to mess with your players and cause character growth. Yeah, that's always the goal, not following some pre-written character. Right. Well, hopefully you took something away from this episode about creating NPCs. We're certainly pleased with what we came up with for our adventure. Yeah, and if you want to try this process out, hop into our Discord. You can find the link to the beta version of this NPC process. You can also find that in the show notes. 
You can also find it in the resources section when we finish it and also the beta version. So look to test out this NPC process with your own NPCs. See how the results stack up. And let us know if this speeds up your process at all. Yeah. Hopefully that's the outcome. And as far as this particular character goes, let us know what you were thinking of while we were talking. Specifically, the name. I'm going to come up with something ridiculous. Oh, my God. Please don't let the name be whatever Jordan comes up. No. Flapjack. Garmushkula Flapjack is what I'm naming her unless you help. Please. You're our only hope. Uh, You just, my soul just left my body. (laughs) Speaking of fantastic characters. Thank you so much to our wonderful patrons, Inigo the Brave, David P, Adam F, Alex R, Steve A, Sigma, Kaleidoscope, Skylar E, Deadman, Ninja Ducky, Sue Art, Blackthorn, First Law, Peacock Dreams, DM Thunderbum, Marley R, Time Warp, Dangerous Marmalade, Zach G, No Ma'am, Michelle T, Adlerius, Chris F, The Senate, Lucas D, Lila G, The GM Tim, Nevermore, Thomas W, DM Natsky, Heavy Arms, Leprechaun, and Will HP. You're all the most wonderful people in regards to this podcast and our souls. Thank you so much for the continued support. If you like any of the resources that we use and mention, like the NPC creator, blast it out to anyone you think might like it. It's the only way that we grow this show is with your support. Thank you so much. You can join that awesome community of players and DMs on our Discord. We encourage you, go to our Discord. It's a lot of fun. There's shit popping off all the time on there. Thanks, as always, to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects you heard in this episode. Thanks Thanks for for listening, listening and and I think I'd make a great human shield. (laughs) I'm pretty dense. (laughs) Good.